Good morning. Rise and freedom. I'm Austin Peterson. You're watching and listening to the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. Looks like we're one minute late. Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> Glad to have you here, though. Do me a favor, will you? Click that like button and subscribe to the channel. If it's your first time watching the program today, we'd love to have you come back here and join us. This show streams live every Monday through Friday from 7 to 9 a.m. Central Time. And we'd be glad to have you come back and make some friends. We've got lots of cool people, I'm sure, hanging out in the Rumble chat. So make sure you introduce yourself. We've got really cool mods. One of them is actually hanging out here with me today. So I don't think she's going to be able to moderate the chat because they haven't figured that out on the phone. Joining us live in studio now is the lovely Camilla Peterson. What's up? Good morning. How you doing, CJ? <laughs> Good. It's always fun if I get to be in studio. Nice to have you here. We appreciate that very much, CJ, for you coming in here today and joining us live here in Jefferson City, Missouri. It's a cold one here in Missouri it's today. Heat winter. Oh, blow, blow, thou winter wind. It's, uh, yeah, it's freezing here in Missouri, but uh, I didn't have to scrape my windows. Did you have to scrape your window? You were parked outside last night. I just let the defroster run long enough to take care of it. Yeah. I, I avoid scraping at all. Oh, costs. you let your car run and warm, know, globe, right? warm the globe, the planet. <laughs> I love how they blame us for like letting our cars idle when you've got Taylor Swift and like Gavin Newsom and all the global elites. I saw some uh, uh, headline the other day and I didn't read the whole story, so maybe it's true, maybe it's not. But it was like the top line reader. Yeah, it was like the top one percent of everybody in the planet, like the top one percenters who fly on planes, and like Jeff Bezos's uh, yacht, like their carbon footprint is like more than all of ours combined on right. the bottom. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to hear it. But we're the problem because we let our cars idle a little bit this morning to to, to defrost our windshields. Uh, good morning. We're glad and thankful to have you here. If you haven't yet, click like and subscribe. And of course, we'd love to hear from you today. You can text the show anytime, night or day at 573-319-1586. Again, you can text the show anytime, night or day at 573-319-1586. I was just telling Camelia, a buddy of mine, new buddy, Brian Parson, texted me last night and was asking about the coffee and he was saying that he had watched the the Wake Up America show and he just he loved how uh, optimistic and upbeat it made him feel because there's just so many so much doomerism out there you know CJ like we well I know I mean like every, everything everybody has to talk about the latest outrage but mm -hmm. nobody ever really has fun with like if you can't laugh at something it's depressing yes yes and sometimes you got to laugh to keep from crying but I just feel like we do try and keep it light and fun here, even though there is nasty, naughty, dirty news and things that we talk about on the show that uh, would make a woman blush, a grown woman blush. Uh, but uh, we try and keep it light and fun. So uh, it's a little bit different. A lot of libertarian podcasts for sure are very like, you know, drug addled and, and late nights kind of like the dirty talk. You know what I mean? We do sometimes drop curse words. We try not to. But we are very different from a lot of shows out there. So. For sure. Mm -hmm. and, and as it should be in the morning. Yes. In the morning, you should start the day off, you know, with a smile on your face. Oh, yeah. Somebody just texted into the show this morning already at 573-319-1586. Take a look at this, Camille. Can you lean over here and see this? Look at this. See what they got? Yeah. They, That's cool. Yeah. That was designed by me. This is a, a Calvin Coolidge synthwave canvas. So for those of you who are watch, who watch the show regularly, um, all of the graphics and stuff is called synthwave. It's kind of 80s retro style. Uh, and I made a really cool Calvin Coolidge wall painting for people who want it from AP for Liberty Shop. And he got his. So I think he's the first one we sold. So he loves it. Thanks, AP. He says, you're welcome. 
Another listener texted in about a misquote regarding Ronald Reagan. Oh, we gonna get to that. We gonna get to that. <laughs> a mutual friend of ours who's also in radio that like tweeted yesterday. He was like, "Thank you so much for giving us this." Oh, dude, it's so perfect. It's just like the, this. Stuff, it's like written for conservative and libertarian talk. I, I might as well just go ahead and play it now. Hold on. So this is a this is um, uh, Education Secretary Miguel Cardona who is quoting Ronald Reagan. Let's go ahead and pull it up uh, for our listeners so they can hear and see what we're talking about here. Take a listen to this. We're going to set up follow-up calls with every governor we met with to make sure we're available. Um, as uh, I think it was President Reagan said, we're from the government. We're here to help. Um, there's, there are resources there. There's technical assistance there. And there's a playbook <laughs> that can support the work you're doing. Count on us. As That's a good one. That's a good one. What do you think, CJ? Well, he's from the government. He's here to help. A really rough paraphrase. <laughs> really rough. Really rough. Secretary of Education, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, yes. <laughs> it's so perfect because obviously he needs to go back to school. Teaching in school these days. He's been out for a while. What's they're, going on? They're teaching us that they're from the government and they're here to help. Yes. I don't think that's what Ronald Reagan meant, though, did he? I don't think so. No, and, and I'm going to paraphrase now. I'm going to get it wrong. It's like it's the nine scariest words in the English language are right. I'm from, from the, the government, government and, and I'm, I'm here, here to help. help. <laughs> no, thank you. No, thank you. Uh, amazing. Yeah. Miguel Cardona um, paraphrasing. Uh, he's an education secretary. We're from the government and we're here to help. Yeah. Oh, I got it right. The nine most terrifying. I was going to say, if somebody's going to definitely text him and be like, seven words or something like that. Austin, go back in school and get your education. Because, I mean, I, I don't know if you've noticed on like Twitter or anything lately, but people are mad at me online. A little. People are think. I wonder why that is. It's not my fault. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little bit my fault, but it's not my fault for having my own opinion. I'm allowed to have my opinion on things. You keep the extra big spoon at home in the closet for the holiday weekends, right? Yes. Well, here's the funny thing. So I wrote that piece about Ron DeSantis and about how his supporters are being super annoying online and making me dislike the guy and not, not like the campaign. But I only did that as a response. It wasn't like that came out of nowhere. Right. That came because I said I liked Vivek Ramaswamy and thought he did a good job in the debates. And I just started getting battered by by DeSantis supporters. I was kind of like, I don't know. It's I just feel like there's a lot of insecurity over there, which makes sense. Sure. And, and I explained in the article, I'm like, I know what it's like to be on losing campaigns and people start lashing out and getting angry. But of course, that makes them angrier. <laughs> Not my fault. Right. Well, it's my fault. You're losing. You know, like, I don't think that they understand that behavior like this, like, tells everybody that you're losing. Yes. I mean, like, they're they're behaving like they're losing. It just makes it worse. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And here's the thing: it is I saw this article yesterday that came out that showed that the GOP is losing a lot of money. Right. Like the. Yeah. Yeah, Ron McDaniel, Ronna Romney McDaniel is, uh, is gosh, she's just a cancer. And I, I mean, I thought Vivek was really brave in calling her out at the debate recently. If anything, these numbers, these, these fundraising numbers really vindicate what Vivek was saying in the debate, which is what I was sure. praising him for. Right. I mean, the irony is that Trump is the reason that she's still there. Um, he propped her up, supported her staying in that role. And the, I can't tell you how many people I've talked to that tell me they are no longer donating to the RNC or to the GOP. 
Yeah, well, here's the thing, and this is a story I just saw this morning. Major Trump donors who soured on him after 2020 and January 6th now insist he's their best choice. So Donald Trump and their allies have been ramping up their fundraising efforts with less than two efforts to go until the Iowa caucus. But the changing view of big financial backers shows a recognition that because Republican voters are sticking with Trump, he remains a very real contender for the White House. So a lot of these people who were thinking, oh, maybe we could fund Ron DeSantis, and then they kind of started to skitter a little bit and go, oh, well, maybe it's Nikki Haley and things. They're just the donors are starting to throw their hands up and say, hey, we got we're going to we get what we got. This is a really doomer election. Mm. I mean, this is this feels like we like everybody's very black pilled because people I, how are we at where we're having two, you know, 80 year oldish candidates as our primary options? I mean, everybody, everybody I talk to, even though they if they like Trump or not, they're like, why are we here that these are our options that we have no better options? But I mean, listen, I I've I've changed my views, uh, you know, over my lifetime, and of course, in the last ten years, to see the reality is that Donald Trump is maybe not the best candidate that the Republican Party has ever fielded. But in terms of like the the modern times, what we need, it, it's it's kind of that old Batman quote. You probably haven't heard this before, but it's like he's not the hero we need, but he's the hero we deserve. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, we get what we deserve. Well, that's true. Um, Henry David Thoreau spoke to that, that you'll get the the government that you're prepared to to deal with. To tolerate. Right, yeah. to tolerate. Yeah. yeah. So, I don't know. Why you can't know? we have Javier Malay? Because we don't, des- you know why? Because we don't deserve him. We you're have, right. we don't deserve him. Right. We, mean, haven't, earned, we haven't earned it. I. That's why I, this is very pessimistic of me. I try not to be this way. I just have a sinking feeling that we're going to lose it um, no matter year. what next year. Yeah, I don't I don't think people are taking it seriously enough. And it's not that, you know, the loudest factions on either side aren't, you know, outraged enough. It's just that the people in the middle are so tired of everything, but it's not hurting bad enough that they have to pick a side. And there's just not somebody that's inspiring there's nobody with a good plan that is just a great leader. DeSantis supporters be very angry with you right now. Right. He's a man. He's a leader. He's the he's got the plan. They're very angry when you say things like that because he's shown leadership on COVID. He's shown leadership and stuff. Okay, well, I'm not seeing it. I, I, here's the thing. Maybe he is. Maybe I'm just blinded by my love of Vivek Ramaswamy and I'm just entranced by what's happening in Argentina. And I'm not seeing that that uh, uh, DeSantis is this great leader that I'm missing the the ball that uh, I just feel as if I'm not. I feel as if there is a it's just been a really lackluster campaign. He feels awkward out right. there on the campaign sure. trail, you know, and, and when you stand in there next to Vivek and he's out there saying, I'm going to cut the federal government by such and such. You know, the, the one time I actually was kind of like, oh, I got a little excited when I saw DeSantis. The one time was when in the debate he talked about reigning in the Federal Reserve, and I was like, "Okay, here's a policy right. issue. Here's a policy issue in which I'm I know that it may not be it may be a niche issue. However, for every all everything people say about oh well, I, Vivek is just telling you what you want to hear. I don't give a shit. That's what I want to hear. What I want to hear. I want to hear well, that so- stuff. One of the headlines yesterday was DeSantis came out in an interview and made the comment that he would like to eliminate the four departments he wanted to eliminate. Uh, I can't remember all four. Energy, maybe I think was one. Uh, Department of Education. 
the IRS, and there was one other one. Uh, but, you know, people want to hear more of that. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is I think that the difference between Vivek and DeSantis is that um, Vivek is a lot more optimistic and we're going to do this. And there is a hope to how he speaks to people that you do not feel in any of the other candidates. Do you think I'm, am I out of line in saying that it feels as if the DeSantis people are trying to kind of like pawn him off as like, like a mini Trump or like a Trump cover band or like a Trump sort of light or great value Trump in a way, because it feels like the way that they're running their campaign is very much similar to how if you don't if you don't like Trump, you're probably not going to like the way that the DeSantis campaign is being run because it for every everything that they kind of accuse Donald Trump of, of being crass and nasty and rude, their supporters online are very nasty, crass and rude. I mean, they get they act very much like the people that they claim to be opposing. I mean, I don't think they're as bad, um, and I think there is a difference in that in how their candidates they're serve that they're supporting behave. Because DeSantis do. definitely does not behave like that. Um, True, but I think that there has been the the whole relationship between the two campaigns, and I think a lot of this comes because. In the beginning, I think a lot of people hoped that Trump and DeSantis would somehow work together, which was like a total pipe dream. Mm -hmm. But they also compared DeSantis to Trump in that he was very Trump-like in policy and everything that he did Mm -hmm. and being assertive, but without all of the stuff that they didn't like. You know? Right. And so I think that, you know, people who support Trump have just really gone after once they realized that he was really running against them. Yeah. Um, they've gone after them. And I think that the DeSantis supporters have been reactionary. And I think it's starting to feel desperate now. And that affects how they're reacting. To yeah, him. I feel that. I feel that as well. And it's just it's not attractive. It's, it's not attractive. Fun. Right. Like that's not it's not what we're trying to run on for next year. Because the thing is, is that if they want to get down in the mud and they want to it's what's that Mark Twain quote? Never wrestle with a pig because <laughs> you'll both get dirty. Both get dirty. The pig enjoys it, right? Right. And I know Trump. Trump supporters get mad because we do criticize him. You come on this show and you criticize him all the time. The DeSantis people sure. are like they they assume that like I'm for Trump, and I'm kind of like how many goddamn times do I have to tell you that I like Vivek Ramaswamy? But then there's this conspiracy theory where it's like. The Trump people have said that it's okay to like Vivek Ramaswamy. Like that's in a conspiracy theory, right? It was. I mean, and I will say in the beginning with Ramaswamy that it did kind of feel like he was sort of running for something with Trump because as a he, stalking horse, right? Because mm-hmm. he kept coming out and saying, telling people. T- like that one time where he told all the candidates they should all get together and meet down in Florida or something uh, in a show of support for, for Trump, Trump when the, one of the indictments came out, which, you know, OK, but it was a little too on the nose. A little bit, but you're right. But I will say this. And T.J. Roberts made a really good point about this yesterday. I don't know if you heard his interview. What he was saying is that I, I think the problem with the DeSantis people is that they have bought into the left's attacks on Donald Trump when it comes to these lawsuits against him and Vivek Ramaswamy has not because the, because most Republicans see the DOJ as being weaponized against Trump. Sure. And I think, I think another like case that proves that, that that is the case. Look what they're doing to the mayor of New York city right now, Eric Adams. Did you see how the FBI like stopped him on the street and grabbed, grabbed his cell phone, right? Took his phones. And now, and then now he's being accused of sexual assault just under the statute of limitations, which is like 19, 20 years. And it was like 19 years ago, he sexually assaulted this woman. Are you seeing this? 
I haven't seen that because part he of criticized. The story. Well, he criticized the Biden administration and their handling of the immigration crisis. And listen, Biden may be a well, daughter. Yeah, his city's having to suffer for it now. Yes, and and so and so he spoke out about it, and he's been serious about. Hey, listen, we're gonna talk. We're gonna have to talk about cutting services here. And man, you do not talk in New York like that, and you do not say anything unkind about the king because because they will come after you. So I think that the weaponization against of the DOJ against Eric Adams of New York City. Is a, is a microcosm of what they're doing to Donald Trump and what they have been doing. So here's the thing. I see these DeSantis supporters online, buying, he's going to be in jail and all this kind of stuff. It's like, where are you come, going with this, right? right. Like, like yesterday, some DeSantis supporter shared, uh, like they've been attacking me for like being a loser who lost this presidential campaign. And, and, and somebody, like one of the stories that they shared that was an attack was like the fact that Gary threw my gun in the trash. And I was like, so your argument, uh, your attack against me is that, is that you're glad that Gary threw my gun in the garbage, like some deranged leftist, right? So it's kind of like DeSantis supporters have Trump derangement syndrome worse than you do, Camelia. You've got level two out of 10. You've got level two out of 10 Trump derangement syndrome. DeSantis supporters are like they're at a six, closing in on a seven, and they promise they say they're not going to vote for the Republican nominee next year if it's Donald Trump. I mean, this is never Trump lunacy, and it's it's like Lincoln Project levels. So almost. here's the thing: this is why, and I will tell you mm -hmm. for all my TDS, whatever. Yes, this is why I think that Trump is bad for the country, and I don't think another four years would be healthy Love for approaching us. level three. <laughs> Trump rate. So but it's okay, because go ahead. it accelerates this kind of uh, toxic tribalism mm. because, you know, we're all tribal to an extent that's healthy, but this is at a toxic level. And I think that Trump has really accelerated that in, in and I think and the, everybody gets reactionary. And so usually the reactionary is between, you know, the left and the right, mm -hmm. but now it's on the right and it's really dividing everybody. Mm. And I I would love, I mean, at this point, I would love to see Vivek Ramaswamy get in there just because I'm so tired of hearing about it. Like, I don't, I, I, I'm done with all of that stuff. Like, let's. Here's, the, here's what I would give you. Here's what I would give you. I would give you this, that yes, that what Trump does is toxic. However, I see it like this. I see it as chemotherapy. Maybe. I see it as chemotherapy. I see it as. Was four as, years of chemotherapy not enough? Apparently not. No. You know why? Because, and, and it's the next story that we're going to move on to, the Thomas Jefferson statue being taken down and this kid who's wearing um, the tribal paint of the Kansas City Chiefs, who's being accused of, um, who's being accused of blackface. So I actually, I think that, no, we have not had enough chemotherapy. No, I, I actually, I like what Tim Pool has said on his show about Donald Trump coming back for revenge and being the bull in the China shop and destroying his enemies. Because here's the thing, Donald Trump's enemies are our enemies, Camelia. The people who hate, who hate Donald Trump and want to destroy him nearly to a man are not our people, Camelia. The people that Donald Trump wants to destroy, he's, he's not going after Reason Magazine, okay? They're not going after Javier Malay. The Trump people like Javier Malay, largely. Other than like maybe one or two I've seen who are like, oh, he's a WEF plant. But those were conspirators who were never going to, they're never going to be on our side anyway. But here's the thing, like Donald Trump's enemies are our enemies. 
And if he's victorious against them, he takes out a big whopping problem that we've got going on right now. And then when he's done, that's it. He can't run again. Okay. And who's the heir apparent? At this point, I feel like Vivek Ramaswamy is like the closest thing that there is. And if that's the next in line for the MAGA movement, oh, you like you you don't want to like what I'm saying right now, but you kind of do. Well, yeah, you know, here's what I keep thinking is like, that's a big if. Yeah, well. And so the thing is, it's kind of like the, you know, was it Nietzsche that said something about you staring, <laughs> staring into, into the, the abyss. abyss? And I feel like that's a little what we're doing because, you know, we... We stare into the abyss and we take that on as our approach. Like eventually do we become what we hate? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um, so th- let's move on to this next topic here. I've got a picture of um, this kid, this little boy. Did you see the picture of him? I did. Wearing blackface here. I'm going to go ahead and pull it up here. Um, this is the story started when this kid, this guy named Karen J. Phillips. I love that his name's Karen. Uh, posted this. He says, for the idiots of my mention who are treating as this, this is some kind of harmless act because the other side of his face was painted red. I could make the argument that makes it even worse. Y'all are the ones who hate Mexicans, but wear sombreros on Sanko. God, this guy's a moron. Here's his piece in Deadspin. It says the NFL needs to speak out against the Kansas City Chiefs fan in black face and native headdress. They're doubling up on the racism are you going to say anything, Roger Goodell, right? And then I love that he has the community note down there. It says that the colors of the Kansas City Chiefs are red and black. Imagine the color, that. Yeah, the colors of the, the colors on the fans' face are a reference to the team's color, not to races or skin colors. And I love that our friend Olivia Rondo, she says, bro, this kid is like 12. You know, I know, right? Yeah, you know you idiots are obsessed with calling one racist, but perhaps he was just honoring... His favorite team. The kid doesn't know what the hell blackface is. What do you think he is? Al Jolson? He's like, I'm doing the minstrel show. Imagine, you know, uh, making your whole identity going after your old kids. Isn't he pathetic? It's it's so pathetic. It's so pathetic. But here's the thing. It's always a double standard. First of all, I'm not trying to just engage in whataboutism. But I mean, how many leftist Democrats like Jimmy Kimmel... And Sarah Silverman and Joy Behar and others that you've seen, they're all doing blackface at their Halloween parties and stuff from like the 1990s and things like what was the governor blackface? Oh, yeah. Governor Northam, remember, of Virginia. That's right. Yeah. Right. And he was like in a KK. It was like the KKK. He was like shaking hands with the KKK guy with an afro and all this kind of stuff. Like they, they project, they project, they project and they see what they want to see. And here's the thing. They got nothing. They got nothing else. They've got nothing else but racial hatred and racial animus. And they wonder why there's a rise of white supremacism or they wonder why there is a a movement because they push for identity politics. Well, how do you fight identity politics? Well, you fight it fire with fire a lot of times. And so what do you see? Now you see these people out here who, you know, national conservatives who like their their primary thing is essentially socialism, but for white people. Yeah, we want redistribution of wealth, but from the minorities to the whites. We want we want reparations for all of the crimes that the minorities commit against this. How about this? We want reparations and we're going into the minority communities and we're going to take every last TV that you stole and redistribute it back to the white people that you stole it from. How's that for reparations? Can I get an amen? Like Is it racist? Newton's third law of culture wars. Maybe stop stealing shit. How's that? Reparations for that. Yes. No, but that's the problem is that they, they and when you view everything through the lens of race like they do 
like this is this is to them a triggering event. But here's the thing: it's not just the blackface that's part of the problem, right? It's also that native headdress. Right. I was talking to my dad about this the other day at Thanksgiving. Um, they're going to come for the Chiefs. You can How can they? How can there not be a Redskins? And you're going to let the Chiefs? We were watching this movie called Major League, and we—I had forgotten that there was a team called the Cleveland Indians. Oh yeah. Yeah. Not anymore. No, they're not. They're the Cleveland Guardians or some stupid ish like that. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's like the Washington Commanders. Right. It, I know you don't. I don't. You don't watch the sports. I don't either. But it's it's. I, I I'm only interested in sports it's when Washington this stuff happens. Team, wasn't one of the teams going to change their name again? Because it was Maybe. like too dull and boring. <laughs> they're all. I mean, Washington Commanders and then the Cleveland Guardians. Okay. And the Kansas City, are you telling me that they're going to let the Kansas City Chiefs just be the Kansas City Chiefs? My um, commanders and guardians sounds like a little like toxic masculine-ish or something. Yeah. Don't you think so, so, you know, my sister's partner, Jess, uh-huh. she's native. Yeah. She doesn't give a shit about the Kansas City Chiefs. They go to the Chiefs games all the time. They don't care. They well, don't care. I think that's probably the one um, saving grace for the Chiefs is that they're in Missouri. Well, but here, but I know, but here's the thing. Cleveland is what, Ohio. Yeah. So Ohio's I mean, that's not doing mid, so good in some ways anymore. Well, God, people are really hating on Ohio a lot lately. Uh, but uh, I feel like, I feel like there's no way that they're not going to make a move on the Chiefs. I don't doubt it. Yeah. yeah. Maybe not in my dad's lifetime, like we were saying the other day, but like in our lifetime, like they're probably going to come for it. I wonder if them winning Super Bowls and being like such a powerful, strong team right now, kind of like, wards that off if they didn't have as much clout as they do now do you think that they would be right well i mean they're making money right so they don't need the approval of people who are you know of the naysayers they're not as vulnerable do you think that might be part of it sure i mean it it would make sense yeah Hmm. wonder what our listeners think about that you can text the show at 573 Three one nine one five eight six. That's five seven three three one nine one five eight six. Quest texted in, and he did say he asked, "Is Karen C A R R O N the male of Karen?" Yeah. What's funny is that like the actual name Karen, and it's like C H A R O N is like the is the Grim Reaper. Oh, it's the name for the Grim Reaper. Okay, I didn't it's know that. death. Okay. Or it or it's the um I think it might be pronounced as maybe Sharon, but it's um it's spelled that way. And it's uh the whenever you cross the river sticks and you put the coin in the in the hand, mm-hmm. that's the name of the um of the death of the death shadow that brings you across the river sticks. Okay. At least from the ancient Greek legends. Right. Obviously Jesus says no. But um, you know, what <laughs> I really stirred him up the other day. Hey, by the way, just brief, brief little side, uh, anecdote here. Is uh, Christianity, is that uh, polytheism or monotheism? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> we really should not get into that. Well, today. it's, listen, it's not my fault. They it's they were attacking. my fault. They were attacking Vivek Ramaswamy. The DeSantis people were, the, the reason why we got into this the other day and I was making them so mad uh, is because they were attacking Vivek Ramaswamy for being a polytheist because he's Hindu. But he has said he believes in one true God. But you get my point. Hold on. Let let me explain it. And then, like, tell me if you think that I'm being just purposely malicious here. He says he believes in one true God. Mm -hmm. They're accusing him of being a polytheist. Okay. Christians say they believe in one true God. 
but it's the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. So I'm accusing them of being polytheists, but they claim to believe in one true God. So who's right and who's wrong? Am I am I off base in my in my? So is, I, it, is it a little too? Is the irony a little thick here? Well, is it a little too thick for people to be able to to delve deep in the twelve layer bean pie that I've. I mean, theologians have debated this for hundreds of years. Thousands of thousands. years. Yeah, sure. And the thing is, is that, um, you know, when people actually were able to read the Bible for themselves, all of a sudden, you know, you started, they started to see things many different ways. And there are reasons for that. Mm-hmm. And in transparency, um, the faith I was raised in um, was not Trinitarian. Mm-hmm. So kind of used to being called a heretic. <laughs> oh, you were not a Trinitarian? No. So what was it? Just It was that there was one single God? Yeah, one God. Jesus was a son, but he wasn't God himself. The really? Holy Spirit was basically the essence of God. Um, not really like a, a separate entity per se. Um, although, you know, nobody would, I, I think most of the explanations I was seeing are people trying to explain it to you. Um <laughs> I love it when people try to explain it. They're like, well, you aren't a Christian, so you don't know. I'm like, bro, you aren't a libertarian. You don't know because you you never were a libertarian. But I, the difference is I was a Christian and I was raised in this religion. Sure. And I know and I know the difference. Sure. If people who were never if I, I could understand. You could say, well, you're not a Christian. You don't understand if I was never a Christian, but I was a Christian. And I do know the 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 tenets of the Trinity and the explanation for it. But if you can say on one hand that Vivek Ramaswamy is not a monotheist because he sa- even though he says he believes in one true god he's a hindu and hindu has many gods so i think Christianity this is- has multiple gods too by by your own definition sure and this is the thing where i think it might have been studio 314 i don't know if it was in the chat the other day or if it was on twitter or what but that he made a comment i think it was him about something about this is why religion is a very personal thing And every person has to come to that decision for themselves. And, you know, I can give you for every theologian that takes one stance on it, I can find you another theologian that will take the opposite. They're all intelligent, highly educated people who know what they're talking about. And they've done all the research and they still come to different conclusions. And the thing is, is like, Who's to say, um, you know, there are not those variations within Ramaswamy's faith as well. And if he's decided that he worships one God, then he who said, am I he, to say that? Uh, well, there you go. And that was my point. Right. That if you can say you are a monotheist and believe in one true God, even though there's a few spirit, magical spirits <laughs> running around out there, uh, and then, and, and by the way, when the Ten Commandments were written, and they said, thou shalt have no other God before me. They knew that there were other gods out there. It, was, it, was, it wasn't like monotheism had taken over at this point. Like, if, you know, 2000 BC, we're talking oh, about here. Yeah, there have always been. It wasn't like, I mean, Jews weren't the only people, weren't the only sure. like game in the business these days, right? Monotheism has pretty much taken over most of the world's religions. But 2000 yeah. BC, it wasn't that way. No, no, not at all. It was uh, like. Jews were like 10,000 people running around in the desert in the Middle East, and then everybody else was worshiping Jupiter and Juno and Thor and Isis and Dionysus and Aphrodite and all of these. And it was like understood. It's like, we're, we're all competing, right? And eventually Jews got one, and then Jesus came around, you know, in zero, in zero. <laughs> 
I still call it BC, by the way, because I don't care. I'll tell you that one of the things, because I've always homeschooled my girls, and when we um, we started with a classical conversations, which is a classical um, model of education, um, many years ago, and the one of the things I think that I don't know why, but it was sort of a revelation to me, is because I'd been raised with biblical history mm-hmm. for so long, that was my my frame of of viewing the world. Yes. And so it's not that I didn't learn any other history, but I didn't like match them up. And so when we started in this curriculum, there's like, you know, we we learned, you know, there's, there's a whole 13 minute timeline song. And like when you start learning all of the history in order and you start looking at the timeline, all of a sudden you start matching up what the biblical events coincided with, you yes. know, secular. It's just like it, it was it was kind of mind blowing at the time. And it gave me a totally different perspective That's, on a lot of things. I just think a lot of people don't have that. I agree. I agree. I agree. All right. So with the reason why for, for those who are just tuning in this morning, good morning. The reason we're talking about this is because. Because Vivek, well, it's because of Vivek Ramaswamy. I think that's that's certainly an interesting piece because yeah. people are accusing him of being a polytheist, and he says that he believes in one true God. So since everybody's claims for their own religion are equally valid, we have to say, well, then we believe that he's a monotheist. Anyways, uh, let's talk about something else, shall we? Before we do, though, I want to talk about the Thomas Jefferson statue that was removed from the New York City Hall after 187 years. But before we do, I'd actually like to ask you a favor. Would you mind giving us a review of the delicious coffee that you're drinking, Camelia? Oh, please, yes. yes. So would, you, would you mind? This is the Martha's Mint, mm-hmm. and um, I really like it. So this is the, today is the first time I've tasted it, mm-hmm. and so I know that you like it most with you know the chocolate and the sugar <laughs> and whatever. Um, but um, it, for me in the morning, I'm not a big sweets in the morning kind of person. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I like it plain. Mm-hmm. I could see putting the chocolate and sugar in it in the evening. That would be more of an evening coffee for me. Mm-hmm. But um, the mint is not overwhelming. That's what I like about it, too, because right. I like I, I only like flavored coffees if it's an undertone. Yes. And it doesn't take over the entire taste yes. that you have. And it definitely is that way. Yes. So uh, the Martha's Mint coffee is only available until Christmas. Mm. So basically, um, one month from now, you won't be able to get it, right? If you want to get a bag of it, get it now uh, and get it at ap4libertyshop.com. All of our coffee flavors, my my buddy called me last night. He's an over-the-road trucker, Brian. And he was asking about the different coffee and what the different flavors are. We've got light roasts, medium roasts, dark roasts. It just depends, you know, pick your poison. If you want a ton of caffeine, the Jeffersonian Java light roast Mm -hmm. is what you want. If you like a little bit less caffeine, but full flavor, you want the patriotic Adams's patriotic, patriotic perk. Um, And they make great Christmas gifts. He, Brian bought like seven boxes of coffee last night for his kids in California. The packaging is really cool. Thank you. Yes. So they're no longer in the bags like the one that you're seeing on the screen right now. I need to get like the new packaging up there. They come in beautiful designed boxes. They make great gifts for Christmas. So stock up now. If you buy more than one bag, the discounts add up. So since he bought seven bags, he got like the the full 12% discount on it. So you save a lot of money when you buy more and you can do, if you really love the coffee, you can do a subscription, which I highly recommend if you're thinking to yourself, oh, I really would like to support the Wake Up America show and I get coffee for my money. So you can do that by just signing up for the monthly club, which is a great deal because you can, uh, if you buy more than one bag on a monthly uh, subscription, you're also getting those savings as well and you won't run out of my delicious coffee. 
So I need to order some of this for my parents. Yeah. Um, my dad, well, they're both coffee drinkers, but my dad and I, especially, and my dad likes to roast his own coffee beans, oh. but, but my mom won't let him do that in the house. That's interesting. But um, for Thanksgiving, he texted me before we came down for dinner because uh, they live 500 feet down the hill from us. So you know. mm-hmm. anyway, he um, he was like, are you bringing coffee? And I was like, I, I can. I was like, you need some? And he was like, well, all we have is Folgers. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm bringing coffee. <laughs> I think he would really love this. And the one thing too um that I've noticed about all of them, including the Martha's Mint, is that it's very Yes. There's no like bitterness. It doesn't taste burnt. And it like, doesn't make your stomach feel sour. Right. A lot of coffee sometimes, like when I'm done drinking, especially if I haven't eaten food with it, and which is a lot most of the mornings. Well, I do eat some like um oatmeal but a lot of times the coffee will make my stomach feel sour mm. not with mine mine is an ultra premium delicious coffee check it out at ap4libertyshop.com that's ap the number four ap4libertyshop.com all right we're ready to talk speaking of jeffersonian jeffersonian java um first of all let me say thank you to our fuddy but our fuddy fuddy buddy <laughs> studio 314 says martha's brew is nice sipping has its own sweetness but with chocolate mm-hmm. it's bomb says studio 314 thank you try that kim mccurry is asking if we have any organic options we do not yet we do have more things coming on the timeline for our coffee lots of changes coming so k-cups is what are, is, is next coffee that's not organic yeah, yeah, yeah. You use like pesticides and stuff. And you're like, do they though? I was, I don't know. I was having that conversation with somebody the other day. Was like, is there like, I don't know if they, they do or not. Yes. Levin214 is checking us on our facts on the year zero. There was no year zero in the common era. Thank you. He says we went from year one BCE to the year one CE. Thank you very much. Sure. Um, well, that's what always confuses everybody is like the year one is like the preceding year. So you really can't have a year zero. Yes. In the year of our Lord. In the year of our Lord. Christ <laughs> the Lord. Christ is risen. 625 people watching. Good morning. Nice to see you. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to bet that Rumble put us on the front mm, page. Thank you, Michael Zakari. Thank you, Siraj Hashmi. Thank you, Chris Pavlovsky, the CEO of Rumble.com. We appreciate you very much. Uh, thank you for putting us up here. I know for many of you, it's the first time that you're watching us here. We're glad to have you here. I'd love to earn your like on the stream as well as your subscribe. If you click subscribe on the channel, then you can come back and join us here on the Wake Up America show every Monday through Friday from 7 to 9 a.m. Central. If you're like, why should I subscribe? Who the hell are you? I'm Austin Peterson. I'm the host of the Wake Up America show. And my guest who's live in studio with me is... Camelia Peterson. Are we? Are, are we but we are not related. <laughs> She's a Peterson and I'm a Peterson. So yes. spell a little differently here. But we'd love to have you come back and join us because we, we consider ourselves all freedom friends here on the Wake Up America show. Camille even sleeps on my couch when she comes into town. So <laughs> so we're all friends here and we'd love to have you come back and join us. Uh, Will Run Riot says he does love the new coffee packaging. Yes, there are 666 people watching. I think I know why. <laughs> we're glad to have you. All right, let's move on to the next topic. Speaking of Thomas Jefferson and Jeffersonian jo- Java, the uh, the city council of New York City had voted uh, a couple of years ago to remove the statue, um, to remove the statue of Thomas Jefferson from the council halls. And I couldn't be angrier about something as I'm, as a huge Thomas Jefferson fan and a great believer uh, in his uh, philosophy. And as someone who was shaped by his philosophy since I was a young man, the very first book I ever got on any of the founding fathers, I was eight years old. I was in Washington, D.C. I was at the Jefferson Memorial, and I knew from the moment that I saw him and read his words 
from the like you know just having been able to read for a few years that that was who i identified with the most the writer right he i'm a bit more of a talker than he was but uh his writing because i was so inspired by his words that i i'll never forget camille when i got my first job in politics in 2008 in the mornings i would drive my beat up old farm truck with my missouri license plates across the river into this gleaming city washington dc and everybody else has got all this money and i'm this dirt broke activist with my you know little ford ranger and i'm driving by the jefferson memorial in the mornings on these clear blue spring mornings and i just you know i don't pray but i pray i would pray to thomas right i say thomas give me strength to go into this city and do battle with the forces of darkness against big government and for the principles of liberty as espoused by thomas jefferson and to see my fellow americans i don't get offended by a lot okay cuz you know i really don't care what most people say like you know religion politics but when you come after thomas jefferson you're coming after me i had to deal with his slavery problem right when and and grab, grapple with this which obviously slavery is a great evil sure there aren't many things that are worse than slavery right there are very very few things that are worse than slavery maybe perpetual war i it's hard to to think of some things that that are worse than slavery but i will say that there are things that are worse than slavery and i will say that thomas jefferson laid the groundwork for the end of slavery white people freed the slaves Yes. Yes. White people free for the slaves. Sure. Yeah. White Absolutely. people. White people. We, you know, for all of the, for, and slavery was not an exclusively white people institution. No. No. Historically, not, not at all. It, it was the, it was the, the African tribes who sold each other right. into slavery. There's still slavery in the world today. For sure. Yes. Yeah. All over the world. Yes. Like, it's, it's not, not exclusive to any continent or any ethnicity. Yeah. White people overall is at a general, rules the world population are not the majority of the world's population no no they're not. and so one has to wonder why the special hatred for jefferson it's not that they it's not the slavery thing in my opinion camellia it's that he is an icon a paragon of greatness for our white people he is a he is an icon an, the architect of Western civilization, white Western civilization, and it is an offense to them, and they hate him because of jealousy. That's my opinion. What well, do you? How would you respond to that? I mean, Does I that think, make you uncomfortable? I think it's an attack on the very foundations of of America, like the American principles and values. Not in the sense that there were never any mistakes, but um, it, they they're really tearing down at those institutional values every day. Uh -huh. And the thing is, is that we call this the American experiment for a reason. And it is an experiment. And there have been lots of mistakes made along the way. But I think the difference is, is that we have there have always been people who embody the American spirit who have worked and sacrificed their lives to make those changes for the better. 
And I think Jefferson was not in favor of slavery. Um, he was born into it. He was born into it. And it, I mean, if he would have, if he could have abolished it in the Constitution, he would have. Mm-hmm. He wanted to do it at the Declaration of Independence. Right. It was his words that were stricken. Right. From the Declaration that were so offensive to the Southern caucuses that they had to take it out of the Declaration. They wanted to free the slaves then. It, that, if, that is probably the best example of a story of politics truly being the art of the possible. Of, of, politics is just the art of the possible. What can we actually do? And this is why I get so angry with my libertarian friends, is because Javier Malay isn't even good enough for them. Right. He, Javier Millet doesn't own any goddamn slaves, but he is not, but he is not, oh, he's not perfect. I see him being attacked. I mean, never mind that he's already mentioned that he's shutting down one of the agencies. Was the one the one on uh, gender and women and something or the yeah. other? It was one of those things that's sort of like the DEI right. type agencies. He's already shutting one down within, what, 90 days or less, something like that. So, I mean, he's already doing things, but... That's still not good enough. Mm-mm. That's more than what we've done. Mm-mm. Oh, well, and here's the thing, too, is that these trash leftists who are removing this statue from the New York City Council, they, as, despite the, they, they feel a sense of moral superiority over Thomas Jefferson, but they're wrong. They think that because they don't own slaves and because they think they know that slavery is wrong and they would never do that, they think that they are morally superior. Well, I'm here to tell you that they're not. You're not. Actually, the, in, my, in my view, the greatness of Jefferson and what he contributed to the world so overshadows his, his, the evil that he did in the world. And slavery is a great evil that... That that legacy is so massive that you will never approach even one quarter, not even an iota of the greatness of Jefferson. These destroyers of statues, these savages, these barbarians must be physically removed. This is what I mean when I say you can dislike you, uh, uh, you can dislike Donald Trump all you like, but he is chemotherapy. If he is toxic, as you have stated, Camelia, we need chemo. And you say, was four years of chemotherapy not enough? No. No, it was not. No, we need to up the dosage, in my opinion. I think we got uh, a little bit of a diluted dose. I think we need chemotherapy. And and that is why I am not soured on Donald Trump running. I am not soured on this. The fact that he is, that he, he very much reminds me of Samson from the Bible. Mm-hmm. I've said this before. But here's the thing, and if he brings down the temple walls on himself, so be it, as long as he crushes the Philistines alongside him. You are a little more optimistic that he will do that than I am. I'm not necessarily, I'm not, well, I, I'm a very much a wait and see person, but I will say sure. this, I will say that again, if like that, I love that Bible story of Samson at the end where, you know, where he prayed to God and said, you know, give me the strength one more time, God, to do what needs to be done and to grab the temple walls and to bring down, was it the temple or was it like the tent? It was like some kind of, I can't remember what it was, but it was, it, 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 he killed all of his enemies. Mm-hmm. Killed himself. Right. But took them all down with him. He's, he remind, he's a suicide bomber. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing, all of these people in, in their moral superiority who want to tear down the statues mm-hmm. and do all of these things, 
they are privileged Mm-mm. to be able to do that. And they are privileged. They have that privilege because of Jefferson Mm-mm. and people like Jefferson. Yes. Otherwise, they would not even be in a position to even be thinking about that, let alone doing it, because they would not have that kind of, they wouldn't have that kind of individualism and power to affect anything. Right, right. It's, it's, and it's fascinating too, because the, you know, I think about the legacy of Abraham Lincoln and they want to cancel him too. Like they, Black Lives Matter activists during the two years, the the summer of love, (laughs) if you will, where they were destroying Abraham Lincoln's statue as well. Uh, when you think about this discussion about reparations, for example, uh, we were joking earlier about how reparations need to go the other way, but, um, libertarians were kind of making fun of me because they hate Abraham Lincoln and I'm a little bit more neutral on him, but more and more these days, the more I learn about him and study him. Um, but I feel as if the 600,000 that died in the civil war was that blood was enough. White people freed the slaves with their blood. We had to we had to fight and kill our own countrymen. White right. people had to kill white people. Yeah. To free the, the millions of enslaved Africans in this country. Sure. We made them citizens. White people. Here's the thing. White men voted to give white women the right to vote. Boy, look what you guys did. Yeah. Is that you're, good well, judgment or what? You're welcome. You're welcome. I know not a lot of people think that that's a, that was a great idea. I think there's a lot of white men who would love to take that vote back. Only if I can cancel out the the votes of all the white men who are out <laughs> voting terribly. <laughs> there's a lot of stupid white men out there voting for Democrats. <laughs> you know, here's the thing, though, is that this is human tendency. We want our heroes to be these perfect people. And the reality is, is that they are flawed, multifaceted individuals. And we need to be able to embrace that as a whole and accept that people are not perfect and that yeah. people, who, people who even believe things that are not good can very often do good things. I, it just it is the way it is. And it's, that's OK. Yeah, um, I think that whatever this topic is that we're talking about, or maybe it's because you're so damn cute. Camelia has got <laughs> one thousand eighty five people watching us live this morning. Good morning. Good morning. morning. <laughs> You came to the Libertarian okay. Retard podcast. Good morning. <laughs> I'm Austin Peterson. It's nice to see you here today. We're glad to have you. Thanks for joining us. Would you do me a favor and click the like button and subscribe to the channel here at rumble.com slash AP for Liberty? It's so easy. And what we don't want to have happen, we don't want to lose you. We'd love to get you captured. You've, you've, you're in the, the, the little area, the fishing area. We've brought you in. Rumble has brought you in. Thank you, rumble.com. We appreciate you for putting us on the front page. And uh, we'd like to cast a wide net this morning. So would you do us a favor? If you like what we're discussing this morning, you get these discussions five days a week. The Wake Up America show is a great way to start your day. So click that subscribe button so you don't forget, because I know what will happen is tomorrow you'll be like, I want to hear from those really funny, weirdo, retard libertarian people again. Uh, And if you want to come back and join us, you might have forgotten who we are by that time because you're busy. I get it. Just a real quick, quick click of that like button uh, and subscribe will help us to grow the channel and you'll be able to find us again tomorrow morning. I'm Austin Peterson. I'm joined in studio by my good friend, Camelia Peterson, who is of no relation. Nope. Good morning. Yes. Yay for the big audience today. Uh, and it's climbing. Uh, Rumble likes to see that too, when the audience grows like that, which means they'll leave us up on the front page as long as the numbers continue to climb. So 
we hope that you'll stick around here today because we got lots of great content. I didn't book any other guests today because it's so rare to have uh, Camellia in studio. Um, so we're uh, we're just going to talk you and I about all the the news of the day. We can kind of move around to talk about whatever we like. Did you see that our friend Javier Malay is um, in New York and that? Yes. Yeah, he's in uh, Javier Malay, the uh, Argentinian libertarian president elect. Um, came to New York and he's converting to Judaism. So he met with the rabbis. Now I have a really good friend. I'm sorry. What? Did, are you serious? Did you think I was joking? Yes. No, I'm serious. I did not know that. Yes. Oh. So this is going to be a little bit of insider um, insider politics here, real quick. I'll just try and speed through it so we don't you know run people off. But Javier Malay came to meet with a, what's called the Chabad Jews uh, and rabbis because okay, he's always talked about how he wants to become Jewish. And he wants to convert. Yeah, it's kind of fascinating. He's so he's so my kind of libertarian, you know. And and I won't get into all the rancor and hatred of like the Jews that's been going on with the American libertarians because of the foreign policy position. But uh, Argentinian libertarians seem far less morally and ethically compromised on foreign policy than Argentinian libertarians do. It just fascinates me because he is like, he does not fit into anyone's box. I I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're an anarcho-capitalist. Yes. I don't care. He doesn't fit into your box either. Mm -mm. And it's just, he is like, every day there's something different about it. People are like, he believes that? Yes. Like, uh, polyamory? Yeah. Like there's all kinds of things. And so I would be fascinated to hear him explain like why he would want to convert to Judaism because you know that there are reasons and there there's something that draws I don't him. know but love to hear that but and, and he's being called a far right trump like populist <laughs> but here's the thing if anything it kind of shows to me that like the coalition of populism on the right can include anarcho capitalists sure. minarchists sure uh trump like populists um, Geert Wilders, did you know who this guy is from uh, the Netherlands? He's a he's like an anti-immigration uh, activist who you've been seeing the name. He may become the next prime minister of the Netherlands, and he's been around for a long time. I think he's even gone to jail because of their speech laws mm. for him saying we need far fewer Muslim immigrants coming to this country and destroying our national culture and things. So, uh, so he's a part of the far right populist coalition. So you've got anarcho-capitalist libertarians like us, the Javier Malay types. Right. You got the Geert Wilders anti-immigration activists and then you have the Trump right populist, you know, American MAGA Trumpers. Here's the thing. We may not all agree on, all, on a whole variety of issues, free trade, you know, immigration, all these kinds of stuff. But this is a powerful coalition that is growing in the world. It's moving in the right direction. It is moving in the right direction. And, and Camelia, just like the founding fathers were not able to end slavery at the Declaration of right. Independence, yeah. you and I are going to have to make some compromises. Sure with the with the Donald Trumps of the world, the Geert Wilders of the world, the Pat Buchanans of the world here in this country. And they're gonna have to make compromises with us too. Right? They're gonna have to they're gonna have to recognize the power of the Javier Malay forces of the world. Right. And and we get that power, we gain that power by winning elections, by asserting ourselves, because we are we're the libertarians, right? So and 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 doing shows like this, Chris Spangle the other day, and this is again, I don't want to get too insider baseball. I want to get back to the big news politics. But Chris Spangle said something really nice the other day. He says he thinks this show is really going to be big in the future. And I think he's I think he's right. I think that the Wake Up America show is going to grow. And I think that we're going to add more shows. And I think that the AP for Liberty shop is going to get bigger. Steffi and I were talking last night about expanding the shop and doing even more. And, 
you know, expanding our coffee and doing tea and things like that. But we have to, if we want to, if we want to have a place in the cop, the populist coalition, we have got to win elections and we've got to take our space in the media. We've got to claim our spot. You know? Absolutely. And I think that's the key too, is like in, in the culture part of things in the media mm-hmm. and the arts, so important. And the thing is, is that, um, when you talk about populism, mm-hmm. like, you know, we've kind of looked at populism because we think of populism as like Trump populism. Mm-hmm. And Jack Hunter that you had on the other day has talked about this before, that populism itself is not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it just means that you're you're addressing issues that are affecting real people. Mm-hmm. And the thing, the difference is, and I think this is the difference with Millet, is that you have to have populism that is rooted in principle. Mm-hmm. And his is, like, is Trump? Probably not really. Um, which is why it just like goes all over the place. But people like Millet, Ron Paul, those kind of people, that's populism, but it's rooted in principle. Well, it's an anti-elitism of who we have. I mean, what was the guy, Sarab Amari, was writing that piece the other day. He was so mad about Javier Millet. Like some of these populists, they're not happy with it because they don't want libertarians like us to be part of the coalition. They don't want Javier Malay to be part of the coalition, right. right? They're basically, these are socially conservative Democrats is what they're, they're FDR style. It's authoritarian. They're, well, they are authoritarians, but they, you know, and they, and rifle, and that, that's their, their policy views. So they don't want libertarians to be a part of the coalition because we're not authoritarians in that sense. It'll be interesting to see though, how Javier Malay actually pulls off, you know, his plan because he's got, a, he's got a lot of work to get ahead of him. He needs, he needs. $30 billion to dollarize his country. And he, the a country already owes 40 billion to the IMF or the world bank. Mm. And so there, you know, the hope is, is that there's enough dollars in Argentina already, but I need to start a GoFundMe. Yeah. Or an alternative to GoFundMe. We don't so, want to well, use give, send, go. There you go. Give, send, go. I'm actually, uh, I've been talking to Stephanie about this only lightly, but I have in the back of my mind a plan because I'm a big fan of, do you like Malbec wine? Yeah, that's that's Argentinian. Yeah. If I can scrape together the chinks and if Javier Malay is successful in uh, passing an economic plan, the problem is, is that at the moment right now you can import a, a dollars into Argentina, but you cannot export them. Mm. So you could you could invest all day long, but your investment would have to stay there in Argentina. Right. So unless there was some law that passed that changed the ability of investors to come in from around the world, you know, socialists hate that because they'll mm. call this colonization. I would love to take 10, 20, 30, 40, 50,000 dollars and go to Argentina and invest in a Malbec farm. I would like to invest in a delicious red wine farm down there and uh, and bring dollars to mm. Argentina and I would like to pool that investment with other investors and I would like to be I would like to either be the head of a coalition or a part of a coalition that is aimed at bringing investment to Argentina. Now, maybe they don't yeah. need more Malbec wine down there because they're having trouble eating. Maybe it's a good idea for us to invest in grocery stores. Maybe it's a good idea for us to invest in gun stores, right? Because now, you know, if, if they can pass, you know, gun deregulation down there as he has promised to do. So there's a lot of, there's going to be a lot of opportunity, economic opportunity down there if Javier Malay is successful. And I have Argentinian friends uh, and I've been communicating with them. And we're going to start a, a, a conversation going forward in the next year about what we can do to team up American libertarians mm-hmm. and Argentinian libertarians to bring dollars 
to Argentina. Right. No, that's cool. You know, and somebody yesterday, there were people that were really concerned because I guess one of the things that uh, Millet is doing um, while he's here is meeting with Bill Clinton. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's meeting. Really well, he has to. He has to. So he, he has to. He's going to be meeting. Here's the story, actually. Let me pull it up from Argentina, right? Decline, decline. Get this thing out of my face. Argentina's right-wing president-elect to meet with a top Biden advisor. He has no choice but because he wants to realign their foreign policy away from Iran and China right, and Russia right. and towards the United States and Canada and the UK, which just goes to show me that like, he knows who the good guys are. Um, Javier Malay is going to meet with President Biden's national security advisor on Tuesday in Washington. So today, Malay is going to meet with their national security advisor, Jake Sullivan. Um, and the Treasury Department said that Malay's economic policy advisors will also meet with senior Treasury officials on Tuesday. This shit is exciting. This is exciting. Anarcho-capitalists from Argent Argentinian anarcho-capitalists are coming to the United States to talk to our Treasury officials. One can only hope, maybe there is a God, and I will acknowledge him, if they rub off on the Treasury officials. <laughs> he brings copies of, he brings copies of Murray Rothbard to, uh, <laughs> Washington, D.C. That shit would be exciting. I don't know. I'm excited. I'm just in a good mood about it. So this is something about yeah. our current presidential mm -hmm. candidates that I just have been disappointed in is that there was no when he when Malay won, mm -hmm. there was no acknowledgement from either Haley or DeSantis. Oh, see, another thing I don't like. Another I thing that like, bothers that me. So disappointing. And I, I haven't looked in the last, you know, few days to see if any either of them ever said anything at all about it but how can you not say anything about that mm, yeah no that bothered me because because vivek was right out of the gate yeah he was like in the car yes. and, and was like uh this is amazing it's right. exciting he's he, yeah. he called him what he was a libertarian and so when javier malay won i was watching those republican presidential candidates to see how they reacted and i did not hear a peep out of ron DeSantis's people and that is a problem that is a red flag for me. Big problem. That is a red flag. Donald Trump called him to congratulate yeah. him. I mean, and then credit Mitt, where it's due. And, and Mitt Romney said, and we talked about this yesterday, <laughs> the only people that I'm not comfortable voting for, and this is what my human events piece this week is going to be about, it, it, the only people that Romney is not comfortable voting for is Vivek and, maybe, and Trump. Maybe Vivek. And I know it's in part because he's so vindictive, that little shit that he, he wants to. He, it's because Vivek attacked his niece. Right. I had not realized before a few days ago that they were related. I forgot about that. Yeah, I knew that they were related, but I didn't know how. I couldn't remember. I didn't know if it was his niece or whatever. But I know that little vindictive Mormon piece of crap in, in from Utah went out there and said uh, and went out there and saw that that Vivek was criticizing his niece and was like, eh, well, I just think that, uh, you know, we just we can't I won't vote for him because he said something unkind about my niece and all this stuff. And I'm just like, you know what? There it is. There green flag. That's a Vivek green flag right there. And, and of course, it makes Trump look a little better, too, I think, by association. But Mitt Romney's non-endorsement is an endorsement for me. And I, what about you? I mean, let's hear it from the audience. What do you guys think? You're nodding your head. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I totally get that. Yes. Okay. Well, since the numbers on the show continue to climb, good morning. Thank you. Um, more people are joining us here. It's nice to see. How are you? Click that like button for me, will you? And subscribe to the channel. I'm Austin Peterson, the host of the Wake Up America show. This show streams live every Monday through Friday from 7 to 9 a.m. Central Time. These numbers are exciting, isn't it, yes. Camelia? Yes. 
love what Rumble has been doing just overall. It's been so good to see, like, this is how the free market works. And for so long, it seemed, it felt like, you know, that all of these startups trying to give competition to the big, you know, social media companies were just not getting any traction, weren't doing it. But Rumble has been doing it right. And it's been exciting to see them grow. Yeah, they, they, they took pity on me when YouTube demonetized my channel uh, a few months ago. And they've been featuring us on the front page and featuring us on the front page and just really giving us a leg up. And, and I think it's because, one, the thumbnails for this show are fighting. <laughs> And, and then also, too, I think that the content's good. And, and uh, yeah. I hope that our audience today really enjoys it. If so, make sure you do click like and subscribe because we'd love to have you come back and join us. Five day a week talk shows, pretty rare, especially libertarian retard ones like us. Uh, and, uh, Camelia, Speak for yourself. <laughs> Camelia, you join, you're our regular guest uh, and you're a supporter of the show as well which I appreciate. Thank you for that. Um, uh, Camelia donates to the show 1776 a month. And we're grateful for that. If you would like to become a monthly, a monthly sponsor for the show, just know you get 20% off of the AP for Liberty shop merchandise store. And um, it's a great deal because a lot of our um, merchandise right now through like it's been selling like hotcakes. Our diehard Christmas sweater. Did, I, have you seen diehard yet? Did I show this to you? The movie? I can't remember. You haven't seen I think it's free on YouTube right now this month. Okay. It would be a good one to watch. Okay. Yippee Kaye. But uh, there's a scene in the movie where um, he kills one of the terrorists and then Mar like writes in blood on his shirt with the terror and then puts a, a Santa hat on the dead terrorist. And it says, now I have a machine gun. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> and uh, so I made a sweater that looks like a bloody Christmas sweater. And I, I actually I ordered one for myself and I got a Santa hat the other day. So for Christmas this year, I'm going as the dead terrorist. Um, and uh if you're a monthly supporter to the show, uh, or if you're like a like a Rumble rant, sub, like monthly subscriber as well, right. then you get 20% off on items like those. And we got uh, we sold our Calvin Coolidge mugs like they were going out of style, man. So 20% off Calvin Coolidge mugs and merchandise, which is all exclusive. You can't get them anywhere else. Sometimes people copy my, my stuff, but that's because uh, I'm amazing and I'm the original, the OG. So make sure you check out the shop. Become a monthly subscriber. If you don't want to do it through Rumble, I get it. Head to wakeupamericashow.com slash support. And uh, you can become like a $5 a month subscriber. If you're a $17.76 a month subscriber, there's still time to get on the Christmas card list. You got yours today. I did. Too, right? So neat. Yes. Yeah, so all of our $17.76 and above monthly subscribers are on the, the Peterson family Christmas card list. So uh, and we're including a little um, uh, $5 gift card with each of our mm -hmm. of our uh, gift cards for this month. So. All of our cards. All right. Uh, let's talk about the news, Camelia. Uh, news that we can use. Let's see. Ch -ch 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 -ch. What do I have down here? Oh, 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 this is such a good one. Elizabeth Warren applauds the FTC's sandwich shop monopoly probe of subway acquisitions. So, Senator Elizabeth Warren of Massachusetts took to X uh, to applaud a federal antitrust probe focused on the potential acquisition of sandwich giant Subway. So Subway announced in August it had reached an agreement to sell the sandwich chain to private equity firm Rourke Capital, good name, Howard Rourke, uh, in a deal reportedly worth more than $9 billion. They own sandwich shops like Jimmy John's, ate it last night, very good, Arby's. You like that? Okay. Yeah, McAllister's Deli and Schlotsky's. So the FTC is probably them to... 
to protect us from a sandwich. Big, from big sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. This is a, a, an example of how smart people can be stupid as hell, right? Like you're they're from so, the government and they're, here they're from. To hell. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, here's the thing, like Elizabeth Warren, like intellectual, right? In, uh, it's almost like intellectual is like a word for like the opposite now. You know what I mean? Like it's like, and I know that I mean it's very populist of me here, but it's like the elites have like smarted themselves stupid. You know what I'm saying? Like it happens. Like yeah. I, I, it happens, and I think it's because you get your head in. That's all you have your head in, and you have mm -hmm. no real world perspective, mm -hmm. and you're in your bubble, and it's just it's not healthy. And you do things like go after big sandwich. You go after big sandwich. Okay. Probably need to be making a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's sexist. That's misogynist. That's misogynist. You hate women. You hate women. You hate women. God, it's so funny. Elizabeth, Elizabeth Warren, I met her once actually um, when I was living in Washington, D.C. She had just gotten elected as senator of Massachusetts. And uh, I was at a sandwich shop and I ran into her and I, I was like, I was like, Senator Warren, you mind if I have a photograph with you? And she's like, oh, thanks. I was like, you know, congratulations on your election and stuff. And I'm like, you know, under my breath, I'm like, I will oppose every goddamn thing you do in this city for as long as I'm here. Well, I guess if the chiefs get into trouble, they can appeal to Elizabeth Warren. <laughs> another great one. Another great one. Oh, God. But I mean, the, the arrogance of like thinking that and the arrogance and the stupidity. like. They're worried about rate. They're going to raise their prices and stuff like that. Like, what? Maybe go down to the Treasury. Maybe go down to the Federal Reserve. If you're worried about prices right, raising, right? Like, you're you're barking up the wrong tree. It's not the sandwich shops that are for that are making us pay higher prices for food. No kidding. I mean, the price of a sandwich is pretty darn high right now to it's begin too with, damn high. and I don't think it's any sandwich monopoly that's done that. Mm -hmm. Uh, one listener texted in with a good question. They said, aren't private equity firms always a red flag? Just asking a question. Private equity just means like individuals with money. That's what it is. I mean, if you're a private does it matter? Like, I don't know. I mean, it shouldn't. Like, but when you're a private equity firm, all that is is, is a group of individuals who have a lot of money who pool their money to buy buy up resources. So like if you, if you or I were rich and we decided to go into town and buy, you know, Yanis's coffee zone across the street. Right. We'd call that private equity. Private equity just means private money. Right. It's not like a public publicly traded corporation doing an acquisition. It's just like you and me privately taking our own. I, I think private equity is like superior a lot to like some of these publicly traded corps like BlackRock and others who, you know, they don't have the same fiduciary responsibilities, I think, is probably what some of the concerns that people might have. But, you know. I mean, but like, they're still in it to make money. Yeah. So what are you going to do? Like, you're not going to run your businesses into the ground doing dumb mm -hmm. things. Yeah. Yeah, Just, for sure. I wonder. Um, one listener texted in, Kim McCurry. She says that uh, intellectual can seem to be only book smart now. That's true. I mean, there is a big yeah. difference. Right? And, and it's, uh, it is because a lot of these people, and I think a lot of the anger at the elites is uh, an understanding that they just, they do not, they they have not lived lives like us. Most men live lives of quiet desperation, right? But, but truly, when you struggle in your life, when you have experienced poverty, sure. 
and when you have had to lift yourself up out of that poverty, you realize how the world works in a way that people who have never had to struggle or worry about making ends meet, they will never understand. They will never understand how people like you and I feel. I will never forget what it felt like to be hungry when I was in New York City when I first moved there after college and to be literally hungry and be like, what am I going to do? How am I going to get food? How am I going to make enough money? And to get my ass out to grab the, the one asset that I had, which is my guitar, and to go to the streets of New York City and I played guitar in the subway of Times Square. It was so embarrassing because I would run into friends that I knew from high school and stuff. They were on their New York trips and they're like, Austin, how you doing? I'm like, you know. <laughs> yeah, things I have changed. Your guitar in a subway. In Times Square, you know, yeah, you know, you know, you'd go play for a few hours and you'd make 50 bucks. And back then, 50 bucks was, you know, 2000 and all five, I think, is when I was doing that. So those were the days, uh, the days of poverty, I would tell you. But then um, I came back and I, you know, managed to make it as a producer in New York. So I've, I've, I've seen it from the bottom. I've seen it from the top. And I'll tell you, those years, it's kind of like lo my losing presidential campaigns and my uh, Senate campaigns. You learn much more from your downtimes, right? Absolutely. Than you do from the times that you were successful, right? Right. Because a lot of times success can be dumb luck. And sometimes for a dumb luck for these people like Elizabeth Warren and others, I doubt she's ever had to work. I, you know what? I bet you, I bet you bottom dollar she don't eat at Subway. Probably not. No. I know the clubs that the senators eat at, and it's not Subway. They're not eating fresh. They're eating fresher than fresh. For, they're eating real footlongs at where it is that they're, they're going to. Uh, the Capitol Grill. They're, they're not eating where we, where we are eating. They're not shopping where, we're, where we are shopping. They have people who do shopping for them, like me. But mine's my wife. <laughs> I go. I know that's sexist. That's misogynist. That's racist. That's anti-Semitic. <laughs> oh my god! It's a great show. It's a great show today, and we're glad to have a huge audience here, courtesy of Rumble.com. Thank you, Rumble. If you're listening to us this morning, they're down in Sarasota, Florida. You know that? I did not know that. Yeah, Rumble's headquarters is down in Sarasota, Florida. So they're not experiencing the freezing ass cold that we are here in the Midwest. The Wake Up America show streams live from Jefferson City, Missouri. Uh, that's where I'm from. Born in Independence, raised in Peculiar, not too far from a town called Liberty. I used to get attacked during my Senate campaign when I would say that. Because people from Kansas City would be like, Liberty isn't. Liberty isn't close to peculiar. And it's like, well, if you're in St. Louis, it is. Yeah. <laughs> if you're in St. Louis, it is. So it's all relative. It's all relative. Exactly. <laughs> We'd love to have you join us here on the show every Monday through Friday, 7 to 9 a.m. Central Time here on the program. Uh, come back and join us by clicking that subscribe button before you leave today. And you can text the show anytime, night or day at 573 319 1586. That's 573-319-1586. I've got a quick little clip that I want to play for you. Camille, you might have seen this already, but this is from the Daily Wire. This is their new movie. Did you hear about this? You're making that face. In a world You're making that face. Here it is. Where women's sports it's called Lady Ballers. is being transformed. The Daily Wire calls foul with the most triggering comedy of the year. Guys, this is serious. Sports can be your pathway to a better life. Well, like yours. 
Please don't steal my catalytic converter again. Winning matters. It's the key ingredient in becoming a winner. Maybe you should try it sometime. Are you gonna move? I am not. Let's cut to the chase. I know you're not a woman. Hey, you don't know how he identifies. If you could beat them. What do you know about the U.S. Opens for the Global Games? You want us to compete as women. $5,000 prizes. My lover says you were a great coach back in the day. Join them. This is the way the world is now. My eight-year-old daughter told me all about it. So a guy can become a girl with no physical changes at all. Oh, that's called gender fluid. So I can be a woman on the court and a man in the bedroom. I can't believe it. Nice! You mean when you're sleeping? Yes. Coach? Alex. We could play basketball. We'd have to get the whole team back together. It's time. I'm in. I'm in. To play. Lady Ballers. Mount up. Like a girl. Guess what? I'm with her. Believe me, my truth. This is my truth. Day one of being a girl athlete. I love being a girl. We could dominate every woman's sports. Running, swimming, soccer. I said sport, Felix. <laughs> Ladies basketball, boys. Nobody watches. Excuse me. Are these seats open? <laughs> ne never mind. Getting dunked. That's the biggest I've ever seen on a lady. I don't care. Lady ballers. Yes. One can even be trans age now, which provides Sheelix with a wonderful opportunity to relive all the experiences that she missed out on in school. Exclusively on Daily Wire. Ah, yes, let's give it up for the Daily Wire. This is what we need, Camilla. You were talking. Yes. Yeah. How is it? How is it? Like, if this movie becomes a hit, it it is the begin. This is the death knell of woke Hollywood. If this stuff starts starts taking off and picking up, because because here's the thing that is saying what all of us have been thinking and sure. what we have been seeing on a microcosm in a small way with like the, you know, Tia Jolie, what the hell's the name, the name of the, the, the swimmer, you know, the one that Riley Gaines competed against. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, you know, the transgender swimmer and all this kind of stuff. But like, I mean, and, and South Park has started to lampoon him too and stuff. But I mean, this is looks, this is a full frontal assault. Well, first of all, Jeremy Boring is brilliant. Yes. I mean, they, they've done some others, kind of smaller production things that have just been mm -hmm. uh, brilliant. But this is this is what needs to be done because it's well done and it's funny. Mm -hmm. And like, even if you're even if you're not on the right, like, I don't know how you can't not find that funny. <laughs> I mean, absolutely. <laughs> even like kids are going to watch that and be like, oh, my gosh. And and uh I mean, listen, this is what we have needed. This is what I've been talking about. I want sure. in on this stuff. This is what I want to get to. This is where I want to work to. Yes. Yes, yes for sure. And this, it's funny because yesterday um, somebody tweeted this and tagged um, um, the Missouri legislature because, you know, this is last session. We passed mm -hmm. the, the transition surgery ban. Right, right. But I was thinking, 
you know, a uh, a screening of this would be a fantastic fundraiser for candidates right now. Can you imagine? That's a great idea. There's so many possibilities. Oh, for sure. For sure. If it's anywhere near as successful as the What is a Woman documentary that they put out, and which I think this will be more successful. Oh, I would think so. Because more people watch comedy movies oh, than yeah. watch documentaries, for sure. Uh, this has huge potential to to begin the cultural shift. I, I'm excited for it. Yeah, I'm excited. It's hilarious. I thought maybe it was a joke at first that it was actually a full length feature, but mm-hmm. it's not. No, no. Uh, and it was one of our listeners who texted that in to us this morning. We appreciate that. Um, for our listeners who want to know how to text the show, you can do so at five seven three three one nine one five eight six. Again, that's five seven three. 319-1586. One of our listeners sent that in to us this morning at 8 a.m. Awesome. on the text line. Thank you for that. We appreciate it. It was a great chance for us to talk about that. Uh, and we're very grateful. Uh, very briefly, before we move on, I want to remind you that the Wake Up America show is brought to you in part by our friends over at Lear Capital, uh, who for the holiday are offering you great deals on silver and gold. And I'd like to remind you today that if you are interested in securing your financial future, you would like a good time to make contributions to a Roth IRA is to put some gold and silver into your portfolio. Uh, Lear Capital offers an IRA with actual physical metals inside of it. So if you'd like to uh, uh, save towards your retirement, you want to get those contributions made before the end of the year. Now's a great time to call my friends at Lear Capital at 1-800-885-2175. Again, that's one 800 885-2175. And I know for a lot of millennials, like I'm a geriatric millennial, uh, but if you're you know geriatric millennial and below, a lot of us tend to be phone averse. I get it. So they made a nice little website for you to sign up for more information about their, their gold IRA. It's learaustin.com. So if you do me a favor, make sure that you click uh, learaustin.com, go to the website, and just bookmark it while you're watching the show so you can fill out that information and get more info. Um, They'll send you a free gold and silver information packet and learn about how to invest in actual physical metals, not paper like metals or anything like that, not certificates of deposit for for gold, actual physical gold that you can take possession of at any time in a tax advantaged way. But I know a lot of my listeners probably like to buy gold and silver directly and have it in their hands. I get it. You can also do that as well. They've got great prices, great deals all the time. And the best way to get the best price is to call them at that number, 1-800-885-2175. I endorse and recommend them to my family members. So you know that if I would recommend it to my mother-in-law, whose reputation I wish to have a sterling reputation, good word there, sterling, right? Um, Then I would, then obviously it's safe for you as well. So I wouldn't, you know, damage my relationship with my mother-in-law for anything. So please do give them a call today if you're interested in securing your financial future. If you don't have gold and silver in your portfolio yet, it's the kind of thing that you want to have, right? You want to have stocks, you want to have bonds, you want to have mutual funds, you want to have some ETFs, and you want to have a little gold and silver. And of course, you want to have a little lead and you want to have some iron and some some guns as well. So 1-800-885-2175. Again, that number, 1-800-885-2175 or visit LearAustin.com. So and it is tis the season because yes. what was one of what were were the three gifts from the wise men? Silver and gold, silver and gold, and frankincense and myrrh. Yeah. Yes. They brought gold. They brought gold. Do. Yes, they do. There you go. So 
give your give your presence your gold to baby jesus um uh, it's uh all right so uh let's move to the next topic here we haven't done any commercials today camellia so um other than that like the actual live commercials but uh, let's see what else do we have on uh well, you know how you were talking about, I mean, we, using the, you know, things like what the Daily Wire is doing mm -hmm. um, in combating these these issues with humor and with art. And I know one of the stories that you had somewhere in the lineup was talking about how these companies that are instituting all of these DEI policies oh. are backing off. Yes, actually, that's the next headline that I have pulled up here. U.S. companies, diversity, equity and inclusion efforts are losing momentum this year after the Supreme Court's June affirmative action ruling. The slowdown is a reversal from the explosion in corporate DEI after George Floyd's killing pushed companies to address racial inequality. 2023 has undeniably shifted the DEI landscape for years to come. External forces are no longer pushing companies to invest in DEI. Instead, in some cases, external forces are pushing back on companies' investments in DEI. This is exciting. And I think we're seeing similar things with ESG because those policies are terrible and now they're getting the real-life consequences and that they are not working out. Um, and with the DEI business, the lawsuits, like that's what it takes is they have to start feeling the pain of being confronted with their own hypocrisy. That that article talking about how that, you know, some of the schools after they um, reverse affirmative action, that some of the schools are then getting sued because of their what are literally racist policies. Mm -hmm. And so when I was reading uh, or listening to the audiobook of the the Moon is a Harsh Mistress recently, that was one of the things that struck me was like, you know, when he some he had grown up, you know, on the lunar colonies all of his life and he comes to Earth. And one of the things he's struck by is like how racist they are in their uh, desperate attempts to not be racist. <laughs> I think we see that. And like, that's that's crazy. Yeah, no kidding. Let's continue here. Um, so in June, the Supreme Court struck down the affirmative action in colleges. Since then, the group that brought that case, American Alliance for Equal Rights, sued two law firms challenging minority fellowships that were open only to students of color those who identify as LGBTQ+, or those who have disabilities. The Alliance argued the fellowships discriminated against other groups, like white people, straight people, or those who do not have disabilities. Exactly. I love that people are fighting fire with fire. It's good to see. The group also sued a venture capital fund, the Fearless Fund, for investing solely in black women. That is uh, making its way through the courts. So firms have started revising their programs, broadening their criteria, to all law students at a certain stage of school, and then the lawsuits are being dropped because of this. Another major law firm proactively changed its fellowship without being sued. The fellowships were meant to bring more minority law students into firms' hiring pipelines, as big law is among the least diverse professions. Interesting. In a letter to this summer, 13 Republican state attorneys general urge Fortune 100 companies to take another look at their DEI programs in wake of the court's decision. The letter takes aim at explicit racial quotas in hiring, recruiting retention, promotion, and advancement. So reading between the lines, the lawsuits and the letters are going to have significant downstream consequences for DEI for years to come. Um, one report, this report also says companies have deprioritized DEI as the hiring frenzy of the past few years 
has slowed and the DEI backlash comes on the heels of another freak out over course corporate ESG, right? And then these terms have become weaponized and politicized. Good. For sure. And I, I can't help but think like the libertarian take on this really should probably be to let companies do whatever hiring, use whatever hiring practices they want as far as their policies. On it should they be. Hire. But... but right. I mean, you know, because they have gone the other way with it for so long, I do understand um, and I don't have a problem with people suing, you know, for those same practices. Well, so, for example, the. It's it's one thing for for corporations. It's another thing for colleges. Uh, well, I was gonna say that's the distinction. If you're getting government money for it, oh, oh no, <laughs> right? And, and now, like in terms of like free speech and stuff like that, I think about the social media, the lawsuits against social media. They're not mm -hmm. they're not private companies when they are acting on the behest of government to clamp down on the free speech of conservatives Correct. and libertarians. Yes. So no longer can what can you say that Meta is just a, uh, is a private company and can do what it wants. Twitter is a private company can do it at once because we've seen how they act in concert, not only in concert with, I mean, they were happy to, to work with the government, but the government was telling them what to do, telling them to clamp down on misinformation, telling them to clamp down on disinformation, what they called it, or telling them to clamp down on what they came up with a new term. Remember what it was? Malinformation, oh. which is information that is true. Delicious. Well, information that is true, but is damaging. Right to the administration. Mm. Imagine that, right? They, it's one thing to go after disinformation, right? Which, you know, we could all argue over what is disinformation. It's another thing to go, one thing to go after misinformation. It's another thing to go after malinformation. Mm -hmm. So bad information that is true. It's yeah. true. That's scary. Yeah, that's a scary term. That's a very Orwellian term, malinformation. It's true, yes, we admit it's true, but it's damaging to the reputation of the president. I mean, we have the way that we have seen the DOJ being weaponized against Donald Trump, the way that the government, that Biden's administration, like the thing about Biden is he, he maybe this is all an act, this doddering old man thing. Maybe. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. <laughs> it's that, so... Have you, you haven't finished reading that book, War, Strategies of War? Uh, so have you started it? Uh, no, I'm okay. just bits and pieces. It, it is part of Sun Tzu's strategy to appear weak. Mm. It is part, like, I'm, I'm reading the book of the Five Rings by Miyamoto Musashi. He was the greatest swordsman that ever lived uh, in Japan. And in, he talks about, uh, you know, being underestimated. Mm -hmm. And I think it, it is possible that the Joe Biden doddering old man thing being underestimated, but actually being a, a very wily old snake is, is possible because look what he's doing to Eric Adams. Like, look, look at like how right. they have, look at how they have. I mean, if, if somebody's pulling the strings behind Joe Biden and, and it, that's possible too, I'm open to that possibility and stuff like that. Like, they are, I mean, they are damn good. And I don't see a lot of efficiency from government typically in, in terms of it, because like, it's really difficult to tell who is actually pulling the strings. It, I, I think it's entirely possible that Joe Biden really does want to be seen in some ways, like may, maybe he is, but he's, maybe he really is, you know, doddering and having, you know, problems and falling down and different things like that. But he might be playing that up. 
because when you see the way that they coordinated with social media, when you see what they've they've done to Trump and Eric Adams of New York, right, their own people, and the way that they crack down uh, on their own people, <clears throat> harder on us, obviously, it, it makes you wonder just how competent the, the president might be. He wants us mm. to think that he's incompetent. He wants us to think that he can't do what he's actually doing when behind closed doors he's calling the shots and saying, hey, you know, we need to bring this against Donald Trump, et cetera, et cetera. What do you think of that theory? Blow your mind. Yeah. I don't I don't like that theory. <laughs> yeah. That would be worse. <laughs> yeah. Barney Styles over the chat says that Obama is pulling the strings. I've heard that. I don't know. I don't know how much I would give to that theory, but Glocas uh, says that he thinks that it's dementia, that it's not an act. Yeah, I don't know. Um, malinformation is the title of my Firefly blog, says Clementine. I have no idea what that means. Uh, Leisha Wilder, our friend from Southwest Missouri. <laughs> okay, I know what that means. I get it, Tuck. What is it? Okay, so Mal is the character's name from Firefly, the oh, show. Oh, okay. Is <laughs> the title of my Firefly blog. It's, and it's not, it's not Doug, by the way, it's Diug. No, I refuse. Yes, it's, okay. it's Diug. Uh, Leisha Wilder, our friend from the Boot Hill, Missouri, she says affirmative action is like being eye candy. Get the initial attraction, but without anything to back it up. Folks move on if they don't get what they want. So there's this, um, the uh, Solovinsky's rules for radicals. Um, I've been preaching about these for years. Um, and conservatives are finally starting to apply the rules for radicals. And there's the laws of the public policy process. I keep recommending these. The, uh, this is for any conservative or libertarian activist, public uh, policy process. Here we go. Morton Blackwell's laws of the public policy process. And here's the thing. When it comes to DEI and ESG, um, um, let me see if I can find it in this. But I think one of the one of the rules, because there's 45 of them, and I'll drop the, the link to them in the Rumble chat so you guys can look it over as well, see what I'm referencing. But make the steel more expensive then it's here it is number five make the steel more expensive than it's worth so in some ways i mean he's talking about elections right but for the you could apply this to dei and esg making the steel more expensive than it's worth so making it more painful for them to institute dei mm -hmm. and esg makes them less likely to do it sure right so in that piece from axios that i was reading to you about why corporations are backing off one of the the things that they said in there was that <clears throat> was that it's it's because we've weaponized and politicized the terms mm -hmm. right so we have weaponized and politicized the terms dei and esg kind of like we've weaponized the term woke right saul alinsky's rules of radicals here we go um one of these things here too it, this is another thing that we've done with it and these this is, these are leftist socialists and these are their rules Here's one of them, and it's good that we're finally starting. They're, these are nasty. These are dirty tactics, but they they work. Here is one. He says that um, uh, da, 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 never go outside the expertise. Power is not only what you have, what your enemy thinks you have. Oh, here it is, number thirteen. Pick the target, freeze it, personalize it, and polarize it. This is what what leftists have been doing for years. Number 13 on the rules for radicals list from Saul Alinsky. And this was the guy that inspired Barack Obama. Mm -hmm. Pick the target. What? You knew this? Well, no. What? 
finish it all. And then I'll have a thought. Pick the target, freeze it, personalize it and polarize it. We have successfully done this with the terms woke, DEI and ESG. Mm-hmm. We have employed Saul Alinsky's rules for radicals successfully. We have turned the left's tactics against them and we have fought fire with fire and we are winning. We're winning. So there's a book that I've been reading for a while. Uh, it's called Reclaiming the American Dream by Richard Cornell. And he was actually, he's someone who um, started um, more probably center left, but he moved very conservative. And so it's one of those books that was written 50 years ago, but you turn every page and you're like, oh my gosh, it's just like today. And he talks about the dilemma of, you know, how the government has taken over all of, t- it's a nanny state, right? And the, the independent sector, the private sector has um, stopped being, um, responsible for things that happen in your local communities and taking care of your local communities. And we've let government have that role. And so he's saying like, how do we do that? Because we know that the independent sector can do this much more efficiently. Um, you know, but there are some, there's some challenges and some obstacles to that. And it's really what's informed a lot of, um, uh, Americans for Prosperity's um, approach to things. Mm-hmm. But what was really interesting is that he was good friends um, with Saul Alinsky and they collaborated on some projects in how you effectively do things at the community level. And so when you said that about Obama, that makes me think I have been talking to people lately about this too, is that on the right, we don't like to hear that we should use some of these things that the left has been using. But if we want to be effective, um, whether it's elections or whatever it is, you know, in bringing people into our movement, in winning elections, no matter whatever it is, like community organizer has become a dirty word because that's what, I mean, who do you think of when you think of community organizer? Mm -hmm. Think of Obama. And people are like, oh, but we had, we did a, um, so for AFP, we did a training on grassroots advocacy here a while back. And one of the examples that they use in there is the Obama campaign and how effectively they did grassroots organizing Mm -hmm. and the lessons that we can learn from that. And so maybe we need to find a different word for it other than community organizer. But those are the things that we need to be doing if we want to be effective. Yeah, well, we can call them precinct committeemen, right? Things like that. And the Republican Party has that. And so like sterile. You know what I'm saying? Well, community (laughs) organizer, same thing. No. But still, um, uh, Luke Saxer over on the uh, Rumble live stream this morning reminds us that Hillary Clinton wrote her undergrad thesis at Wellesley on Saul Alinsky. So interesting. Mm. Uh, Jewel State, uh, Will Run Riot says he actually got to meet Jewel State a couple years ago. I thought my wife was getting a little mad at me when she gave me a hug and he didn't like that. Jewel State, were you talking about Jewel State? I don't know who it is. Okay. Sorry, Will. We don't know who that is. Yes. Uh, So uh, Kermode Bear uh, says that there's an update to rules for radicals they're now using. Look up the Beautiful Trouble website. Okay, we'll do that, Kermode Bear. Thank you very much. Appreciate our buddies in the furry community. Um, uh, Rules for radicals. So pick the target, freeze it, personalize it, polarize it. We've done that very successfully. Trump uses a lot of these as well. Um, And these are the the leftist rules. I've got the conservative ones as well, which are terrific. Um, I like this one. Power is not only what you have, but what the enemy thinks you have. Right. So like making your opponents think that you're more powerful than you are can sometimes back them off or scare them from taking actions that they might have. This is one thing like I like to call a saber rattling. Right. To an extent, Um, never go outside the expertise of your people. Right. Don't don't give people jobs that they're incapable of doing that they don't have any expertise in. 
whenever possible, go outside the expertise of the enemy. So if you know that somebody is really bad at public speaking, try and line up a series of debates, right? The, that, that, was, that was my strategy when I was like going after Gary Johnson and for Josh Hawley. For example, in 2018, when I ran against Josh Hawley, what was the one issue that I always constantly was hammering him on? Guns. Yes, right. Yeah, and did he ever, he, I don't think he ever debated. No, he never debated, but I, I gathered enough support to uh, be, and made him look like a leftist on the gun issue mm -hmm. because of his public statements in favor of bump stock bans through executive orders. So I really hammered him on that issue. And then, of course, I gave away bump stocks as part mm -hmm. of my campaign and made it a big deal. So that was and he's, you know, he's he, there was one picture of Josh Hawley where he had, was carrying a gun and he was like. It was all brand new car hearts. He was like at, pretending like he was out hunting, right? It was one of these photo shoots, you know, that they do to make it look like he was a country boy and stuff like that. You know, this like Ivy League Yale guy who's never been in a field with a gun in his life. Many such candidates. Many such this. cases. Many such cases. So I went outside his expertise because I knew that I could attack him from the right on that. So yeah. that was kind of what I did. Well, and with the with the um, the gender transition issue and things like that, one of the things, so the woke issue, um, we've done all of the things that you've said, but the other component to that is we have the stories have been told. Mm -hmm. The people who have been damaged and harmed by those practices have come forward and they've told their stories. Mm -hmm. And so that is what ends up really um, putting that human face on the problem. Um, is really a lot of what turns the tide as well. I and mean, we had some of those people um, who had detransitioned, who came to the legislature, the Capitol here in Jefferson City, mm -hmm. and you know told their story to the legislature. Mm -hmm. And those those things make a big difference. And your feelings care wow. about that. Um, for uh, the rules for radicals, a good tactic is one your people enjoy. So this is this is a good one. So if people are having fun, then they'll continue to do right. it. This one, I, I feel like I'm an expert in. Okay. The next one is a number five, and I use it often. Ridicule is man's most potent weapon. There is no defense. It is almost impossible to counterattack ridicule. Also, it infuriates the opposition, who then react to your advantage. And they end up um, repeating the narrative, which you should never, ever do. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It reminds me of Lyndon Johnson's pig effer. Uh, oh, here we go. The rise of pig effer politics. Um, did he or didn't, didn't he? Okay, here we go. Uh, let me find the story. This is one of the oldest and most effective tricks in politics. Every hack in the business has used it in times of trouble, and it even has been elevated to the level of political mythology in a story of one of Lyndon Johnson's early campaigns in Texas. The race was close, and Johnson was getting worried. Finally, he told his campaign manager to start a massive rumor campaign about his opponent's lifelong habit of enjoying carnal knowledge of his barnyard sows. The manager, campaign manager protested, Christ, we can't get away with calling him a pig effer. Nobody's going to believe a thing like that. I know, Johnson replied, but let's make the son of a bitch deny it. That's just it. There's actually a really recent example of a congressional candidate who had to deal with this because there were rumors going around about her involvement in with Wiccans. Mm -hmm. And they're saying that she was a witch and all this. And what does she do? She comes out and she makes a uh, a commercial or whatever in which she first thing she says is, I am not a witch. Yes. Yes. He's like, oh, well, oh, yes. I am not a witch. She actually I remember that Christine O'Donnell. 
Justino Darrow, yes, perfect example. Yes, you get accused. It's kind of like, um, so on my Senate campaign, perfect example was because I liked the um, the church, the church of the Satan, church of Satan on Facebook, because I just wanted to follow what they were saying and stuff because they're funny. Um, I got accused of being a Satanist. And so, I mean, and one night I was drinking with Neil and like we got that and we thought we would be funny to like to do a live stream because he has a statue of Satan. Yes. And <laughs> I thought we thought it would be funny to do to be like, you know, oh, and like, you know, have light a candle and make it look like we were doing it just as a joke. But Jeff, my campaign manager, talked us out of it. But it would have been the shock. Yeah. <laughs> Good for Jeff Parson. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, yes. But obviously that would have been the same kind of thing, right? I'm not a Satanist, you know, I'm not a witch. Like, but I mean, listen, that that works. The difference would be in that you were mocking it. That's really right. where the difference lies, because you see this happens with candidates all the time. They get um, caught in a, a situation that's embarrassing, whether it's a fashion faux pas mm -hmm. or whatever. And they either like ignore it and try to make it go away or they maybe get defensive about it, but really what they need to do is capitalize on it with humor, like own it. Um, I, I think that's the best thing you can do sometimes. Mm, mm, good to know. Um, so the, um, the, the show has been killer this morning. Thank you to rumble.com for featuring us on the front page. We're getting towards the end. Is it, are we really? You got 15 more minutes. Oh my gosh. Yeah, we're getting towards the end. Likewise. So. Yeah, I just want to say thank you to Rumble.com and to all of the 656 people who have stuck around and watched us this morning. That's awesome. Yeah, it's 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 awesome. Huge numbers for us, and we're so grateful. And we'd love to have you come back and join us again tomorrow. Uh, Judge Napolitano is our regular Wednesday guest. and Best day. Yes, that's when we get into big brain time, and we're grateful to have the judge as a regular guest. So please do us a favor and subscribe to the channel. Camelia, you're our regular Tuesday, Thursday guest but we don't normally get you for the whole show. No, I love it when I can come and be in studio. Yeah, so. it's it's way fun whenever you get to be in studio. So I didn't book anybody else because I wanted to just hang out with Camelia and chat. But Camelia joins us at 8 a.m. Central Time every Tuesday and Thursday for like a good 15 to 20 minute segment. Uh, and uh, we just got lucky today. We got to have her in studio for the whole show. So if you'd like to come back and join us, then make sure you click that subscribe button before you leave today because... We don't want you to forget about us because I know people are busy and you're probably getting your kids ready for school this morning and you got a lot going on. And the last thing that you want to try and do is fiddle with your Rumble app or try and find that subscribe button. But if you would mind just for me, just take the extra little few seconds that it takes to click that subscribe button so that we can be friends and we can uh, hang out together every morning, Monday through Friday, 7 to 9 a.m. Central Time here where we stream the Wake Up America show. And if you're not in the live chat comment section, you're missing out because there are some cool people. Obviously, that's what I was going to say is we have a great community, have always had a great community in the live stream chats. And there is on Rumble, I've noticed like there is a spot where you can just make comments mm -hmm. and then there's the live chat. Mm -hmm. You want to be in the live chat. Yes, the live chat is way more fun. The The comment section is permanent. The problem with the um, the the problem with the. Um, uh, the live chat is that it goes away, which is sad. Well, well, sometimes it's <laughs> <laughs> okay. Good point. Yes. Did I say that? Yes. Good point. Good point. Yeah, we appreciate we appreciate all of our listeners for joining us here this morning. Do please click like and subscribe, and don't forget too when you text the show, you can do so 
even when we're not live, a lot of people do like to chat with me and, and uh, hit, send me text messages. And last night, my buddy Brian called on the phone when he, he pulled off the truck stop and was hanging out you know, on the phone. We were just chatting a little bit. And he was saying about how much he loves the show be, the, because when he heard us talking about Javier Malay, it just really made him feel optimistic mm-hmm. and positive. And I know a lot of shows are all about doom and gloom and it's the end of the world and everything's crap and this is terrible. And we do like make fun of all the, the, the horrible, terrible things happening in the world. But we typically try and keep things light and fun and positive. And we talk about cultural things and we have a good laugh. We, you know, we try and laugh here and to make it a little bit more fun. I'm not a comedian, but I think that we do manage to get good comedy moments out of this show every once in a while, don't we? I think so. Yes. Nobody takes themselves too seriously, which is a good thing. Exactly. Exactly. But we do get serious guests. We yes. do we do get big guests. And um, you know, I did reach out to the DeSantis people. They're very mad at me. Um, I, I actually asked on Twitter um if because I wanted to make sure that we got our record straight. I was like, did Ron DeSantis congratulate Javier Malay? Um, and the, the uh, and they're angry at me. They're they're the saying like well, Austin didn't call to abolish, you know, to abolish the IRS. So that must mean that he's, he's for the IRS. Pretty sure I've called to abolish the IRS a lot. Um, but the DeSantis people are really feeling. And the thing to do, like days. if they want to campaign like they're winning, mm-hmm. the thing to do would be to come on the show. Mm-hmm. They would be, it would be to well, be everywhere because that's yes. the other thing Vivek has done well. He is freaking everywhere let me tell you something i reached out to the desantis people yesterday okay and because they're all like you're 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 not gonna reach out to us and have us on the show you're not gonna reach out i'm like why not absolutely of course i am i'm 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 glad to have you guys on and i'm going on john burke's show today he's the biggest desantis cool yeah he's the biggest desantis stand there is yeah yeah, he's huge supporter that people like oh you're you're afraid you're afraid i'm like bro the last thing i am is afraid of debating anybody on anything at any time like you got no idea and so anyway so i reached out to the desantis campaign yesterday uh gloria is her name um, some guy by the name of Ferguson or whatever is, uh, you know, he's really like trying to roast my nuts on, on Twitter and, uh, he wants to come on. So I reached out and they said, they'll get back to me today. So, okay, cool. I hope they do. I think that would I be too. good. I, that's the strategy, right? That's right. what you DeSantis people are doing. And they, they probably think that I'm going to like try and play gotcha with them or something no, like that. But like, like, they don't know you then. Yeah, they don't. That's the thing is okay. the DeSantis, like the DeSantis people are all attacking me. I think they're confused because they're like, they immediately equate any like criticism of the DeSantis campaign with like being for Trump. Yeah. No, it's just, I like Vivek a little and I'm not supporting any of the candidates in the primary at all, but I think that there have been some problems with the DeSantis campaign. Sure. And there's a reason why they're floundering as they are. So like, I'm just like pointing it out and they're very upset about it. I get it. So anyways, I'm, I reached out to them. I'm hoping to have some DeSantis people on the show. And, uh, you know, the, I know that they're conservatives. They kind of remind me like Ted Cruz's from 2016. They're, you know, principled conservatives. Yeah. Right. They, they sure. don't, yeah, they don't like the behavior that they see out of the Trump campaign. We probably have a lot of the same Absolutely. issues with Donald Trump and his behavior and stuff. So uh, there's a lot, there's a lot of overlap between DeSantis people and myself. But, but if you're going to criticize Vivek Ramaswamy, right, like you have to understand that like, there's a reason why people like myself prefer someone like Vivek to Ron DeSantis. Right. And if you're going to call me stupid and say that I'm idiotic, then you don't understand or know what we're all about. Okay. Right. We're the Javier Malay wing of the Republican Party. Right. That's the, the Vivek Ramaswamy wing of the Republican Party. But we don't have to be a majority of the party to affect the outcome. 
all we got to do is keep you from getting the nomination. So please continue to heap scorn and ridicule on top of our heads, because I promise you that all you're doing is digging your own grave while, the, while all of us are saying, we, should, we must hang together. We most, shall most assuredly hang separately, I believe they shall say. Uh, uh, is there anything else, Camelia, that you'd like to share with our listeners before we let you know, end the show today? No, I'm just so happy you're all here. Mm -hmm. um, and it was fun to be in studio. And I really hope the DeSantis people come on because I Me think too. that this dialogue, this is that's what this show is known for. Mm -hmm. If you're new here and you haven't seen the show very much, like dialogue with people that you don't agree with all the time, that's what makes this show, you know, different. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's, you know, it's productive. It's good. Diog asks, are we the cool table or are we the table that thinks it's cool but isn't? Probably the latter. <laughs> Nerds. Nerds. I think we're cool. But maybe we aren't. I don't know. I have no idea. Thank you so much to Rumble.com for featuring us on the front page. You are changing our lives, and we're so grateful for that. Thank you to all of our listeners this morning and the 548 people who stuck around to the end of the show. You guys rock. You are awesome. Have a great day, everyone. Yes. And can we see you tomorrow? We'd love to. Please, please click and subscribe, like, and subscribe. I and won't come be back here, tomorrow. but I'll be in the chat. Yeah. So Camelia is a moderator, so she will be hanging out there. She's a very rare Camelia, as you'll see from her screen name. And she will be back on the show on Thursday morning at 8 a.m. Central Time. So if you'd like to see CJ again, you get plenty of CJ time on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Tomorrow is Judge Andrew Napolitano. One last favor before I let you go. Visit APForLibertyShop.com. Now's a great time to get some holiday merch from the store and get some great get gifts some for your family. Yeah, the Martha's Mint coffee is absolutely delicious. We're drinking it right now. I got a big heaping spoonful of chocolate sauce in mine this morning, and I'm all hopped up and ready to rock the day. I hope you are as well and you enjoyed the content. Don't forget, visit APForLibertyShop.com for all your freedom needs, and we'll see you tomorrow on the Wake Up America Show at WakeUpAmericaShow.com. Goose Lodge in Jamestown.